Welcome to the dark forest. Jackie and her pals will never bore us. Shameless confessions about our obsessions will make us laugh and smile. So let's explore the dark forest and dark down for a this is Jackie Cash, and welcome to the Dork Forest. I'm here in my hotel room here in Cincinnati, and you know the websites, JackieCation.com, DorkForest.com, TheDorkForest.com. You know the credits. Credits are kind of interesting this episode, but let's do it. Patrick Brady, he's going to fix the audio. That's right. Mike Rickberg just sang the songs you just heard, and sitting in my hotel room is the guy that fixes my website. Just did a nice little redo of the front page that you will enjoy. Uh, Vilmos, welcome to the program. Wow. I can't believe it. I'm actually nervous. <laughs> Are you nervous? I am because I, I never dreamed I would get here. Actually, I've never listened to this uh, We've any farther been than in the same room together I, I in would, our lives. Yeah, I always worry that you're going to get the creep factor with me somehow. Oh, because really? so you try to you try to keep your distance. I, honestly, I really do because <laughs> I mean we met briefly once at the club at Wits End in Denver. Right when you were booking that club. Right when I was booking you're a the comic, club. Vilmos. And yep. uh, what uh, besides the fact that your website is consistently uh, linked on the notes, why don't we tell people? <laughs> it I am the host of the Green Room, Green which Room is Radio, a, Green right? Greenroomradio.net is the website. Okay. Which now we're trying to become a I don't know, an online area so you can hear comics talk about stuff. That's right because you you fix my website. So yes. you know how to do HTML and you've created this this forum on your website, right? Yeah, yeah. What I did was uh I started doing the green room in 2008 mm-hmm. in April to promote stuff for the show for for Wits End. Oh, right, right. You were interviewing the comics that would come through Wits End. That's yeah. how we first talked. Exactly. And then what I decided to do was uh after I left the club, I decided to start doing more web more shows for different clubs because I could no longer do website wits end. I well, to, I think that that seems yeah, after you leave uh, working with the club, try not to do their podcast yeah, anymore. Especially under the manner of which I left, which you know, not <laughs> only did the Brit not only were bridges burned, uh there was gas poured on them and then somebody pissed on the fire. <laughs> Marines? It uh, wasn't Marines. Was oh, it, it was awful. Okay. It was bad. So I started doing it for other uh clubs and then I got to the point where I was doing I'm doing it for four clubs now and I thought, well that's not enough. Are you doing it for four clubs? I now? do it for four different clubs now. No, I know you do it for the Tucson Club because I've done that a couple of times. <laughs> yep. What's the other ones? I do it for Morty's Comedy Joint in Indianapolis. Booked by Steve Hofstetter, yes, I just the, found the, out. Yes, the great Steve Hofstetter. Right, who also has a club out in Queens, I found out. Yeah. And he's uh, yeah, he's uh, starting a, a Laughing Skullish type club because- yeah, he called he, it the Laughing Devil. Right. Because I don't approve of that. Uh, you know, it's. I think you do what you can. He's a marketing genius, Steve. He, that dude has a presence on the internet that we should all uh, envy. He's really. essentially a, a, a more personable Kyle Cease. Okay, I've never met <laughs> Kyle, but I believe you if uh, you say so. Remember, he was doing those uh, the um, the the he would do these things where comics could pay him. To learn how to do stand up comedy. Oh, that, okay, yeah. Is that, that the one that, uh, that, is that the one that, uh, what's his name? Luis. Hates so bad. Oh, um, Stan, Stan Hope. Oh, yeah. Wrote the, they they oh, had yeah. the fantastic picture on the blog of the clowns carrying the casket. I did not see oh, that picture. Dude, that's a fantastic picture. If you Doug put Stan Hope, always a charmer <laughs> and the most obnoxious charmer in the world. Like, they're still friends. It's Kyle Cease. Oh, are and they Doug really? Stanhope. They're still, or at least. You know, they talk and stuff. He threw him under the bus in that blog in such a major way. Yeah. I can't imagine why he'd even want to be his friend anymore. Well, it was four grand. 
to take his seminar. Yeah, and it was a honestly, in my With opinion, Louis Anderson. Yeah, in my opinion, I, no one should pay anyone, money like that. Anyone. Yeah, there's no I mean, one worth it. If if you want to do stand up comedy and you can't just make yourself go to an open mic for free forever. Yeah. Um. If you need to pay someone, try not to pay anyone more than like two fifty, like two hundred and fifty bucks for like eight weeks or something like that. Where, I mean, what you end up doing is you're paying someone to make you go on stage and learn some mic skills and and say things out loud into a microphone. And then they usually end that 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 type of thing with uh, a showcase at the local club. Yeah, you know, I mean, that, those are most comedy classes that I've seen anyway. Right. 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 And I. I actually don't have a problem with that. If you have a hard time just going to an open mic and doing it, go for it. Because, I mean, there there's always this backlash about, about that kind of stuff, those yeah. comedy classes, because it can be free. And most of us did it, just did it. Yeah. Well, when I started, I started out at uh, Jeff Valdez's uh, Comedy Corner at Where's the time that? in uh, Colorado Springs, Colorado. Okay. Jeff Valdez was a comic. Right. Who now is, uh, I think he's still president of CTV. What's is he, uh, CTV? Uh, SITV? It's a cable channel. Okay. And, and he was, the, I think, the original president. But anyway, uh, he had this club. He'd been there for years and years and years. And they had a workshop every uh, Sunday night. Okay. And I went. And Judy Brown, the, the great Judy Brown Marmel. Right. Was uh, running the workshop. She was right. kind of the overseer of it. She wasn't married to Steve Marmel at that time. I'm sure they were dating. Uh, maybe. I might have actually been before the Marmel dating times, believe it or not. I started in 90. <laughs> I started in 92. Right, I think they were dating so. from ninety. Oh, okay. Well, but I don't know that because um, you know I started doing stand up with Marmel. Oh, I well, yeah, I, I started at the same time in Madison. Marmel, fantastic comic. I used to love the way he used to on purpose alienate the audience just to bring them back that. later. I never loved that about him. I, uh, <laughs> no, I like to see him do it. I right. could never well, have it. Is, it is a train wreck that you can kind of watch and go. I hope I'll find a foot. <laughs> but it's like it was always something where I was like. I can't, Steve. And, uh, but he was an amazing, like he had been doing it a couple of years before me when we, cause we went to college together. And, um, he, he just, he was, he was a good comic right from the get go. Cause he's always been a really, really good writer. Yeah. And it was great to watch him when I first started doing out. Cause the first comic I ever saw was Kinnison. And then it was Marmel that yeah. I worked with. And then Marmel and a guy named Eric Elver and Jim Olsky and Hannes Finney. There were a bunch of guys, right? And then there was me. Uh-huh. And, um, Marmel was pretty much the best of us, I would say. And he had sort of been doing it a little bit in Chicago. So, but he's, so he was always a treat to watch, but he would alienate. He would just do it on purpose yeah. to the point where I was like, all right, Andy Kaufman, I can't, I can't. <laughs> and, uh, cause His he's such a great writer. Board. He What's had the splano board he would get out. Yeah. And he would just say, well, let me get out the old splano board. And he would do the thing where he's like pulling down the big board from the top. Right. And he'd take the mic stand and he'd point at the very bottom of the floor and go, this is where your people's intelligence level is. And sure. this is where mine is. And he'd point all the way to the top <laughs> uh-huh. just to piss him off. Right. Right. So, and and then he, he would jump into a hole and then get himself out of it. And- yeah. It really yeah. got to give the guy credit for that. But, oh, completely. Uh, but I can understand it being uncomfortable to watch, and I only watched it a couple times. Right, fairness. right. I mean, easily the 1,200th time that you've watched him do yeah. it, you're just like, just do another joke. They'll get it eventually. Just keep going. <laughs> keep going. But it was a fun game for him. Sure. <laughs> so. and, and that's it. So so I started in that club. Yeah. 
and uh, and then I, you know, as as things move on, you know, you you progress, and I don't I don't remember why I even brought that up. I apologize. Oh, but, did you? But was it a paid seminar kind of thing? That's oh, Sunday the night paid thing? seminar, the workshop. I'm sorry, thank yeah, you. Yeah, was the workshop? Uh, no, we didn't pay. Okay, we went in every week, and you had guys that never worked before telling you how to do comedy. Oh, which was kind of weird. But right. then what happened? The legacy of the workshop was. The guys that did make it out, yeah, and and the guys that I started out with, really nobody's ever heard of them. I mean, there really weren't any like bigger, more well-known comics. Tim McIntyre, mm-hmm. who now owns uh, Motley's in Boston, okay, he's one of the guys that came out of there, and a couple other guys that that really kind of don't even do comedy anymore. But right. Tim's probably the guy that made it most. They would come back and do stuff in the workshop to help you, so that when I I went out, I came back. Oh, and, 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 and did a little, guys. yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's kind of how the workshop worked. Yeah, and that's, I mean, I love that stuff. Yeah. That's where you give back a little bit. There's a my home club in Minneapolis. The open mic there is incredibly supportive, you know? The yeah. whole stand-up scene there is just so great and so supportive that you want to give back once you, and I don't. I don't give back. No, uh, I, uh, you do. Well, they, well, they don't do it. They don't do anything like that, but I uh-huh. would do that. But Maria, when she goes back there, sometimes she'll do like a, like a, a seminar open Mikey kind of thing on a Sunday afternoon or a Saturday afternoon. Yeah. Where everybody can just come and it's like a fake open mic. Maria loves a fake open mic, sort of a in the, in the living room kind of open mic, the most supportive open mic ever. Yeah. Where she likes it. It's, uh, it's when we play joke machine. It's like you do a new bit that you're working on. I'll do a new bit that I'm working on. And if you can tag them, you tag them. Right. And. You know, it's a win if you get to play with Maria Bamford and she tags your fucking jokes. Uh, cause that's <laughs> awesome, you know? And me. That's right. That's I'll, right. I'll tag one of hers. No, it's, it's, uh, it's all good. So you started there in 92? I started there in 92 and my first, uh, my first paid gig was in, uh, the Vale area with okay. Mitch Hedberg and, uh, Tree. Wow. <laughs> was Hedberg featuring? Hedberg was featuring and Tree, did you remember closing. Tree? I know Tree. Yeah. I, I never, I have not tree. seen him in tree. years. Right. But, uh, yeah, he was closing. And it was really a weird. I gotta situ- link tree. I gotta find tree on the internet and he's, link him. You know what? Notes. He's not. He's not out there. He's not doing it. No. His his real name is Michael West. Okay. Okay. And if so, if you look up Michael West, I I've seen because I've looked him up. Right. Right. I've seen you're like, where the hell is tree? Yeah. Exactly. The nicest guy in the world, dude. Man. He's he's got yeah. His stage persona was this gruff, yeah, Mister Clean biker, yeah, all leather, and he would stand up there and and he'd do the alpha male thing, yeah, and then we're going someplace and he's like. God, I, I wish I was antiquing with my wife. What are <laughs> yeah, you doing? Yeah, just the sweetest guy in the world yeah. off stage. I only worked with him once. Oh. So, I mean, we just met, essentially. It's like yeah. it's like Geraldo. I knew him a little bit better because yeah. we worked together two weeks, and then I would see him occasionally. Sure. But, you know, you meet comics, and you're like, well, I know the guy, but I don't know the guy. You yeah. Know? Well, and, and so – so I I get weird in this weird, really strange thing, and uh, I don't know if I should probably say this, but it's true. Uh, sure. I go to pick. I'm supposed to pick him up. This is my first gig. I know absolutely nothing about comedy, right? You do know that you're supposed to pick up the headliner. I, I have to pick him <laughs> up, you know. So I call Alan, who is uh, Judy Brown's, you know, guy on the on the ground, so to speak, in Colorado Springs, and he says, "Yeah, call this number." And they'll make arrangements and you can go pick them up and you guys can go to where you're going. Great. So I call and Tree answers the phone and I go, hi, this is Vilmos. I'm calling to pick you up. He goes, we aren't going. 
what? I go, yeah. I'm like, uh, yeah, we're not going. All right, fine. So I hang up the phone. I call back Alan. I go, look, dude, uh, they said they're not going. What do I do now? Just, no, no, don't worry about it. Just give it a few minutes, call them back and, uh, we'll what? take care of it. Yeah. So I call back in about five minutes and I, he's, I said, Hey, tree, this is Bill Mosh and I'm just, you know, calling back. I told you we're not fucking going. Pardon me if I can't, I can swear on your show, right? Yeah. Yeah. Don't, okay. we're not fucking going. Ooh, yeah, yeah. And, um, uh, I'm going to leave out the reason why, cause that would be the only thing that they were having basically a financial discussion. Oh, okay. So, okay. so Tree's like, I'm not going because you're screwing me on the money or something. It, it, there was a, there was there, a, there, there, there was, was an issue. Yes. Okay. We'll call it an issue. Right. Be glad to tell you after. So, we're you know what I'm glad hmm. about is that it wasn't Tree being hilarious, and I put up air quotes. No, no, he was totally pissed off. In fact, both of them were completely genuinely pissed angry. Off. Genuinely Alan angry. And him. No, not Alan. Oh. Just Tree. Oh, just Tree. Alan is. <laughs> I can't get into the whole thing because I, I thought I, you were saying that that both of them were angry. Uh, both him and Mitch were angry. Oh, Alan wasn't angry. Alan was. Mitch was with him, and yes, they were on a run. They were together. in the condo together. They had worked. They had worked at Looney's for the mm-hmm. or what is now Looney's. I'm sorry, uh, Jeff Elliott's Comedy Corner. Right from Wednesday through Sunday, and, and this was, was a Monday one, gig, which Monday, I had picked up. Yeah. All right. So I. Okay. So I hang up the phone. Call back, Alan. <laughs> they still say they're not going. Look, give me 15 minutes. I'll call you. And everything will be okay. So okay. I'm just sitting there waiting. Yeah. He calls back. Go ahead and call. Everything's good. I call back. Tree answers the phone. I go, hi, it's Vilma. She says, look, <laughs> what about I'm not fucking going? Do you not understand? Go, All right. That's that's it for me. I'm tapping out. So right. I call out and I said, look, I am not calling and doing that again. Right. I'll show up for my gig. You deal with the other two guys. Right. I said, unless I'm, and of course, I'm stupid in the sense that. I still feel like now I'm responsible to get them there. Right. And I have to wait as long as I have to wait. Right. So they, they of course, I say, call me when it's time to go. Mm-hmm. So I get the call. And mm-hmm. then he called an me. Tree called me. Got an address. Okay. Went and got them. They were happy that I wasn't driving a 1985 Honda Civic. I had a van at the time. Oh, okay. So that kind of endeared me to them right at the, the beginning. Right. But they both get in the car. And this is your first paid gig. This is my first paid gig. Honest oh. honest to God, keep in mind, I'm socially inept, so I wasn't good at hanging around with comics either. So <laughs> right. I know nothing so about all of you are social retards to begin with. And right. and you're just like, it's my first gig. I don't know what the hell I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. But I know that I'm supposed to care about all of this far too much. Right. Do I do I talk about gas prices, weather? <laughs> I, right, I don't bring up money because then they'll feel obligated to give me gas money. What's going to happen? Right. So yeah. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. So we get in the car and they say nothing to me. They're, the not making, drive. they're not making small, no small talk, talk, nothing. So we're driving up through into the mountains of Colorado. How and we long get about, is this drive? Uh, it's about a four hour drive. Christ. So, so tree is sitting to the right of me, very stoically looking straight ahead in tree mode. Mm-hmm. And, Rich, uh, Mitch is behind me, mm-hmm. and about ten, about twenty minutes in, Mitch laughs. <laughs> Nobody said anything. Mitch just laughs. <laughs> then, uh, about five minutes later, Mitch leans forward behind me, and he mm-hmm. goes, "So, uh, do you know anybody famous?" Yeah. No, I, I don't. Uh, I'm that's just... Mitch. That's Mitch's awkward uh, <laughs> icebreaker. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, and I go, uh, no, I don't know anybody famous in my first uh, gig ever, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, and he then he goes, well, you know, 
Rich Molinari is uh, related to uh, or uh, knows uh, all kinds of people. Okay. I, I, I have no idea who Rich Molinari is. <laughs> I have no idea. (laughs) I look over at at Tree. Uh huh. Nothing. Nothing. He didn't even turn his head. Right. Nothing. Still straight ahead. 10, 15 more minutes go by. Mitch laughs again. Right. Nobody said anything. (laughs) Leans forward. Uh, You got another. Are you booked after this show? No, this is is my first show ever, and I don't have anything coming up. Right. Well, you know, Rich Molinari has the next 32 weeks straight booked. Still nothing from Tree, looking straight ahead. <laughs> so this happens again. This is cycling. Right. And the right. next time it's, do you know anyone famous? Again. No, I don't. And well, I he hear Rich Molinari. Rich Molinari is, is related to Milton Berle. Okay. So finally, I'm like, all right, look, uh, what the hell's going on? Right. So I, it's explained to me that Rich Molinari was the opener. And he was just like an irritating son of a bitch during the entire week. Oh, okay. So to relieve their stress, somehow or another, it came into Mitch's mind just to fuck with me for about an hour as we're going up the He was probably trying to cheer up Tree. Exactly. And entertain himself by going, remember that jackass? Yeah. Let's talk about that guy forever. And I have no idea this is going on. I'm just sitting there in wonderment going, what the hell is this? Yeah. So then we. You know get- what? Comics are hilarious. So that was the hilarity of comedy. Yeah. God. So we get to the show and I mispronounced. I I called him Rich. Molinari? Rich Hedberg. Oh, Rich Hedberg instead uh, of Mitch. Yeah, and then he right. spent the whole half an hour calling back to that. Okay. And I was mortified. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. That I was mean, my. Whenever anybody Hedberg. introduces me, I because they're the people who give a damn. Yeah. Because the audience doesn't a remember your name for yeah. the most part. No. B care about your credits. No. So whenever anybody messes up my name or my credits, or whenever I ha- whenever I tell the MC, I'm just like, you can say whatever. I mean, these are the things that would be ideal. Yeah. But whatever you say, I'm still going to go on stage and do my time. Yeah. Because that's what I get paid to do. So I mean, it doesn't that anybody and I'm sure Mitch was just screwing around because oh, it was like a creepy one nighter. But um, yeah. No, I ran into him a couple other times. Yeah. And I always used to like to work with Mitch mm-hmm. because he was hit or miss. And you were able to look really good sometimes. Right. You know, as an opener, it's always good to look really good in front of the, sure, front of the feature. Sure. Sure. And, uh, and that's no disrespect to him. No. But Mitch had his crowd. Right. And, and, and 92 early days, man. Yeah. And we all had, we all have shows where we don't do very well. And it's just, it's the yeah. way it goes, man. Well, he was, he was even in out whatever it was he was doing, you know, with this thing. And it was cool. But yeah, he was. Are you talking about drugs? Uh, evening out doing with his he's thing. Been, I no, I have no idea. Oh, I do evening out with his thing. Evening what, out <laughs> his even out his thing. His act. Oh, his act. Just, oh, okay, so just evening out what I he was trying to say. Evening out. You know, sometimes his thing was uneven, and I'm like, like his access to drugs and alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what? You I didn't know. have any experience with the Mitch uh, Hedberg drug experience. Oh, you never did. No, no, I was, was kind of off on that one. Mm. I knew it was. A, I knew it was something he was interested in. Yes, he's always he was always interested. <laughs> yeah. in some sort of mind altering moment. Yeah, really hard not. to to tell but yeah. uh i think i can't even remember my first my first paid gig was in that was in that club in madison and it was 10 bucks a week and i did uh-huh. seven shows a week but it was 
But my first road gig, I yeah. wish I could remember such a thing. I got nothing. Oh, my first, uh, I still have that check. I never cashed it. I have the first, I, you know what, I, I took a copy of my check, cashed it. <laughs> Xerox. I was like, I, 10 bucks from Bill Kinnison. I have the actual check. So, uh, and then my first Who road Who signed it? Ellen. Okay. Wasn't Judy. <laughs> you know, but uh, then my first road gig was with uh, Stephen Cruiser out of uh, Tucson. I don't know that guy. And a guy named Vince Kern out of uh, Denver. So, oh, okay. Yeah. That was yeah. So weird. I got, I, my first real road kind of road experience was Vince Kern going to uh, McFrugal's, which happened to be close to the uh, the condo. What's and McFrugal's? It's, a, it's basically <laughs> Is cheap, it the thrifty Scotsman? St- ship everything, right? Okay. And so he had bought um, this quart of iced tea. Okay. And so he would drink some of the iced tea. And then he would fill it back up with water. And then he would just keep drinking it that way. Yeah. And every meal that he made, he would tell me how much it cost him. Like the burrito <laughs> was 59 cents. <laughs> and if you divide out how much this, uh, I'm going to get 45. This is all in a condo. This is all in a condo. I'm going to, I'm going to get 45. Public Rangers of the Dork Forest. Know this in your hearts. And it's still happening. There are condos where comics who don't know each other have to spend a week together, four or five days, sometimes three, but whatever it is, it's too many days in a, in a condo that you, where you don't know the other people. <laughs> and you have to, if you sit at table with them, it's like the Amish where you sit at table and then you exchange anecdotes that you don't care. Yeah. And it's, they're usually mind numbingly. What's the name of that guy? Greg. I, I, I did a gig from Minneapolis uh-huh. to Minot, North Dakota. It was a week. Oh, yeah. And I was featuring, and his name wasn't Mike. It was Greg. He he would always do a joke about how he dressed like a a, a blackjack dealer. Because oh. he would have this puffy white shirt with a vest. That's how he always what he always wore on stage. And he was the biggest. You ever work with those guys who are just the biggest fucking button pusher? And 1,400 miles I drove oh. with this guy. And he yeah. was from Atlanta or something like that originally. And so he wouldn't drive because it was winter. Uh-huh. So I had to do the entire drive myself. Oh, jeez. And one t- we were driving through a blizzard coming back. And it took him until Saturday to finally get him. Because all week, I picked him up, I think, on a Tuesday or a Wednesday. And we drove to Minot and worked our way back. So by Saturday, he finally figured out how to make me mad. Because he just spent the entire week just needling, 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 needling. Really? It was funny for him. It was hilarious. <laughs> and uh, oh, I bet. he was it's... such a fucking dirtbag oh, that God. by the end of it, you know, he wasn't gross. He was just an asshole. You yeah. know, like sometimes I've worked with guys that were gross uh-huh. where you're like, well, you're disgusting. And their, their, their way to try to button push is to say foul things to women. Right. That that's, that's the, their fun game. Right. This guy's fun game was he wanted to discuss politics. He wanted to discuss family. He wanted to discuss social mores. And so needle, 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 needle. So by Saturday, he, uh, he finally did it. And then the next thing he gets me to lose my temper and, and I tell him to fuck off or something like that. Yeah. And in the next thing, he's like, "Hey, will you drive me? I got to go to the dry cleaner because we were doing this uh, uh, North Dakota, not Fargo. What's north of it? Grand Forks. Morehead? Oh, Grand Forks. Okay. Grand Forks. We're in Grand Forks and we're doing the uh, the weekend, the Friday Saturday or the Thursday Friday Saturday there at uh, the Westward Ho. Oh yeah, I've Remember heard. I never never got to work it. Heard plenty about it. Let me tell you about the best thing about the Westward Ho was that they had a pool <laughs> shaped like a boot. 
Ah, it was shaped like a boot. Really? And, uh, and Better than the Minot Pool at the Best Western International? Was it? Uh, the largest indoor pool oh, in, Min- in, in, uh, in North, North Dakota. Dakota. Oh, That's really? right. It's, uh, yeah, the boot, the boot was the best thing. It was like a, it was like a, a an eagle hood ornament on the shittiest car in the world because the hotel was disgusting and foul. But the boot shaped pool was the sweetest thing in the world. Wow! And so this, and so he asked to borrow. Uh, he goes, "Hey, will you drive me over?" And I said, "Here." Here's my keys. And I threw my keys at him. Really? Like, you can go get your own damn laundry. And, uh-huh. uh, cause I just had enough. And then we had to do a, a six hour back to, uh, to, to somewhere in outside of Minneapolis. We were doing a Sunday night gig as well. Yeah. It was the longest week of my life. I still remember. Can't remember that dude's name, but it, what a dingbat. Oh. He was, I, uh. There's nothing worse than a douchebag on the road trip. Yeah. And, 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 and the, and the, the fascinating tale of how much they're spending on their burrito. <laughs> it, was, it was, it was fantastic. Every meal, I had an itemized uh, description of how much it cost. And I'm just like, okay, great, man. And understand, I had another, uh, means of support. Right. So I didn't what was really. Your, was it the website stuff or no, not I, at the time? Well, no, I used to own a video store. Okay. And I also had a computer store and an internet service. Okay. And at the time that I started out, I had four guys working for me. Okay. And so I'm not saying I was rich. Yeah. But I was able to not have to worry about what my pay was. Right. Because if you can go on the road as an MC. Yeah. Yeah. You got to have another income. I did 35 weeks on the road one year as an MC. Wow. And uh, didn't didn't suffer at all financially, so to speak, for Interesting. Yeah, yeah. That's how I started out. I mean, I, I was a big funny bone guy for a long time. Okay. Well, I did all the bones. That's where I'm at. Uh, that's the Cincinnati funny bone is what I'm doing right yeah. now. And uh, the kid that's emceeing, the guy that's emceeing, I have no idea how he's making any money. It's there can't possibly be. I don't know what he does for a living, oh. but it isn't stand-up comedy if if this is what he's doing. I couldn't go on the road and do 35 weeks as an MC. Now, first of all, uh, uh, American public know that in your heart, that's about thirty five hundred dollars. Yeah, it's it isn't it, good. No, no, it might be seven grand, but it's probably closer to five. Yeah, it's pretty bad. But uh, now with gas prices, weeks. back then gas prices were only buck buck and a half. Right. And the other weird thing about 92 is that, you know, what you get paid to MC in 1992 is exactly Uh what you get paid to MC today. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the 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 money hasn't gone up, the dollar's gone down, and the gas has gone up. Exactly. So the whole thing is kind of a debacle. Yeah. I mean, nobody gets into stand-up comedy for the money. No, you can't get into it for that reason. But the other – I've I've always lamented the biggest problem with the the thing, too, is that now we're – the weeks are short. I don't like the short week. Oh, you don't want a, a Wednesday through Saturday or a th- No, I like the Wednesday through Sunday. Right. I like the long week what, because the Tuesday through Saturday, the Wednesday through Sunday. Yeah, because you get to learn about the town. I had favorite places to go everywhere. What as what, an opener. Yeah. Like in Tucson, I had favorite bookstores, favorite restaurants. In uh it's Snickers and you know, where Pete Lee told the awful story oh, about right. the That's guy. And I did Indiana, that gig, right? by the way. Yeah. Yeah. I actually did that, that, uh, Christmas Pete party. Lee. Pete and Jamie Lee were on the show, Acme yeah. 20, one of those. Yeah, banned from the green room forever. Pete you Lee were? is. Or pa- Pete. Pete Lee is. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's going to affect Banned. Him. Banned. Yeah. Well, <laughs> until he comes on the show. Then he's right. no longer banned. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's a long story. But anyway, it's. Oh, the, the green. Oh, your podcast. My podcast. Banned. Banned. Banned forever. Pete Lee, banned. Banned forever. Unless he returns unless your he, email. Unless he decides to come on. Okay. Fair then enough. I'm going to temporarily lift the ban. And here's the Until thing. he's finished. Banned again. 
just got done, just got an email from Pete Lee saying that uh, his wife Jamie Lee, also friend of the show, yeah, uh, loves the show, huh? the the podcast, the Dork Forest, uh-huh. uh, and then he, because Pete Lee is hilarious, said, yeah. know that. I've been listening longer, so you should like me better. Right. And uh, so Pete Lee, good Pete, at the backhanded compliment, here, too, I bet. And, uh, and so, Pete, we're talking about you. Why, right. why don't you give Vilmos a, uh, an email? Why don't you get him, get him back? Yeah. It's well, a call-in show, buddy. Yeah, there he's, you go. He's, uh, it yeah, could happen any time. He, he's in big trouble. Yeah. <laughs> it's all start he on the radio, too. Oh, yeah. he knows. Oh, does he know? Yeah, I banned him on his Twitter account, too. Oh. Yeah. Did you block him? Oh, no. I would no, never no. block Pete, will you? I, then I can't communicate with him. <laughs> Now, right, then he would never know. <laughs> That's exactly right. But, but anyway, it was it was nice that you you could get like a flavor of the place. Right. You know, that you could you could have local kind of hangouts and things to look forward to. Right. Because to me, that was all part of the comedy thing. Plus, uh, I like the condo experience better than the hotel experience. You know, a lot of comics don't like that. I'll tell you something. You are the biggest road dog in the way that you're still driving around the country. I am. You're doing shitty one-nighters in I addition do. to weekend rooms. Uh-huh. You are living in condos. Yep. And then, and those are the guys that you, those are the people that you talk to on Green Room Radio. Yes, it is. I talk to guys. And you celebrate that experience. I do, because see, here's the thing. But it's not thing. like, you aren't an alcoholic, right? Are you? I don't drink. You don't drink? I don't do drugs. You don't do drugs? What do you no. do? I, I, uh. You spend eight hours driving town to town doing yeah, stand-up comedy yeah. like it's 1917. Uh-huh. And, uh. I do. You get there. What do you do during the day? What's, what's. what's well, my day is actually filled with web stuff anymore, you know, because okay. oh, I do so the websites. Work. Yeah. I work during the day. I read. Okay. You know, what I. What do you read? Uh. Okay. You know me. Yeah, you I'm doing read. some you, reading. You're much more eclectic than I am, uh, I would say. Well, I'll, I'll read some crap, but I'll also read some some. But you read the romance novels. I'll read and an I think occasional that's the romance crap you're novel. Referring to, yeah, that's but. the crap. But I'll also read. I just finished that terrible uh, that mystery. The Milwaukee summers can be deadly. Someone oh. handed me that one. Okay, see, I like the mystery. Uh, uh, Carl Hyacin. Carl Hyacin. Favorite guys. No. Oh, fantastic author. Carl Eisen. Really? Uh, is start, it a series? Is it a, is a, it a... Yeah, Start with a Beginning Tourist Season. Okay. Fantastic book. Okay. And he's the guy that wrote, um, um, oh, I can't remember. It's, Did it get uh, optioned or something? No, he had okay. one movie out. And okay. I'll, I'll remind, I'll tell you, we'll figure out what it notes. is afterwards. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, uh, I've read every one of the Clancy's. Oh, Tom so Clancy. Far. Tom Clancy, of course. That's okay. kind of mandatory. T.C. Boyle. Now that's, I've he's seen too him. smart for me. Is he? Yeah, I, I've seen him in the in in the in the bookstores, and I haven't picked him up. But it's like Kuntz. I think of T.C. Boyle and Dean Kuntz sort uh, of together. Am I wrong? I don't know Kuntz. You I don't know read Kuntz. Him. Okay, but Boyle uh, Boyle wrote The Road to Wellville, which okay. was made into a movie. Okay, Matthew Broderick never. Yeah, but uh, okay, really very strange movie. Okay, because he's a very eclectic guy are as well. They, are they scary? No, are they horror? No, they're they're he goes into irony. He's big on irony. Oh, so if you like ironic kind of stuff, yeah, a good book to his uh, to start with would be the Tortilla Curtain. Okay, so he's a he's a good guy. Okay, um, and then um, boy, I, I like a murder mystery where it's also kind of funny, and it doesn't have to be super funny. It just yeah. has to be you know it has a, oh. a, a funny edge to it. Like I've I, read all the Spencer for Hire novels. Oh, that's uh, <laughs> uh, what's his Parker? name? Parker. Robert I read. Parker. Par- I've read Parker. Right. Uh, but yes, what what. What T.C. Boyle's good at, uh, uh, aside from the English language, which means you kind of sometimes got to read him with a dictionary. Oh, he's a little bit of a smart guy? Yeah, he's right. a very smart guy. Right. And uh That'll be good. Then you'll learn a new word. Uh, I don't want to learn any new words. <laughs> 
I'd rather not. <laughs> but I, I do like the books. And sometimes they're like just totally over my head. Okay. But I, I still. Name one that's over your head. Uh, World's End. The World's you didn't, End. You didn't. The, that one was I, a hard like, one to, to get through. It or was get... like, yeah, Riven Rock was another one. Very okay. hard to get through. Great short stories, though. He writes, uh, he's a Penn Faulkner award winning author. Okay. And, uh, he writes. Have you ever books tried as... to read Faulkner? No. Ah, oh, there's no. a challenge. I would never do that. I'm, I am, <laughs> I don't even pretend to think I'm intelligent enough to even give that a. Let me a, tell you a, something. People make fun of Mississippi. You know where Faulkner was from? Mississippi. Mississippi. That's right. I listen that's to right. the program. You listen to oh, Sometimes the I don't there's just some... shut it off after I hear my name. A lot of times that's what I do, but <laughs> exactly. not always. Now, the, the, there's some sort of aid here? What are we, what are we gonna, yeah, I got to look up the name of, I'm not great with names. Okay. You know, now oh. John Sanford. Right. All the prey. Okay. You, you should read him. He's a Minneapolis guy. Is he scary though? Oh no, okay. not scary. I don't. I don't, you don't read do scary. horror. No. Okay. Mi- mystery. Just straight mystery. Almost or a little bit of thriller. I'll go into some thriller, like those Ross Thomas books I was reading for a while. Ne- yeah, never. Uh, well, there's so many. You know, there's so many people that are writing kind of. They're kind of pulp mystery or they're cult, uh-huh. pulp fiction, like all the Tom Clancy, Stephen King. Uh, yeah. All of those guys. Don't read King either. Right. I've never read any of that yeah. either. There's just too many of them to some extent because I, cause I tend to read by author. Yeah. Like, I, that's what I do. Yeah. You start and then you're like, well, I guess I'm in yeah. until, until I can't. Like Terry Pratchett read 10 of them, maybe 14. Yeah. There's 35. I don't know when I'll get to the rest of them, but I'm going to do it. It'll all work out. Well, I buy all my books used too. Oh. See, no, I'm not. Yeah. I, and I like to hold on to them. I, I collect Do you books. love to find a used bookstore when you go to a new Every town? place I go, I go. I find That's a used bookstore. That's the first bookstore. thing. I can give you, yeah. I give it, How about I can here? hook Cincy. you up. How about Cincinnati? Never Anything? been to Cincinnati. Okay, me so neither. This is it. If I'm here for longer than Just a, a day, day, yeah. you know, like St. Joseph's, got some great bookstores. Uh, Tucson, it? Bookman's. Oh, Bookman's. That's fan- a chain. Fantastic. Right? That's a big, big. Well, it's I three mean, there. There's three there. They're the and then size of Barnes and Nobles. They're huge. They're massive, fantastic. But locally books owned yep. and uh, and sort of new and used, right? Or just used? Just used. Just used. Okay. And, and it's like walking around a Barnes and Noble. So and I have a list. They're organized, right? Right. Because that's my least favorite used bookstore in the entire world is some jackass who didn't alphabetize. Yeah, I don't. I don't do that. I can't. I. No. I, I I, I don't like a sale rack for clothes. Yeah. Uh, I don't like an unorganized no, bookstore. No, no, no. Yeah, that's that's not good. It's a nightmare to me. So, yeah, no. So, uh, I have a list of books that I want. Yeah. Uh, authors, I fill them in. Okay. You know, so like once I get hooked on John Sanford. Right. I have every one of the Prey novels. Oh, you put it on I'm the list them and off. then you tick them off? I tick them off. Nice I buy them and then I read them. Okay. And then, you know, I have my bookcase. I have a wall the size of... This room that's like completely filled with with nothing but books, right? And I and I, honestly, I'm kind of weird about it. I read them once, yeah. That's it. And yet you keep them. I keep them because here and I like first editions. I don't. I don't want hardcover. I don't. Oh no, hardcover first editions. That's what I have. I don't want to. Interesting. Uh, I I don't like to lend them out. Yeah. Even the lovely Shannon, who I love dearly, uh, she doesn't. She she doesn't even ask. Is that to your read the books? Yeah, Shannon. Very well, nice. Don't you girl. guys live together? Uh huh. Loves to read. She, you were, she cannot touch your books. Oh no, she could touch them. Okay. I mean, I think she's gotten to the point where I mean, she would feel together. comfortable. Oh yeah. She could grab a book if she wanted uh, off the library. But she wall. doesn't. She does not. Well, it's not because I don't want her to, but I have this thing. Even when I read a book. Yeah. I'm very conscious about not like Breaking bending the, binding, the spine or, okay. or any of that stuff. I like them to be, I, you know, no edges ripped on the on right. the jacket, that okay. kind of stuff. So if somebody reads a book, 
Like I, as much as I like you or, yeah. or uh, anyone, any of my other friends. Sure. If I wanted to you to have a book, mm-hmm. I would buy you your own book and then I give you a book. Okay. That's always the way that I do <laughs> it's it. It's just a better way to go. It because then there's no stress for back, me. Because I have stress. a connection with that book. Okay. I've read that book. I can look at that book and say I read that book, I carried it with me through five states. Right. I know what it's, that book is I, about. I know it. I've I I that's it's like a a mark of completion. Okay. If that's a... That's, that's your sense of accomplishment. Kind of. Yeah. So uh, that's what I do with the books. Now, I've been trying to get down with the Kindle. Oh, right. I can't do it. Well, there's it's there's very little sense of accomplishment in, with a Kindle. Yeah, there's it's nothing not as, to keep. It's just, to me, it's another computer file, and I don't care about that. Right. And I have the Kindle app for my... Is that yeah. what you're, you're rocking, a Kindle app? I have the Kindle app on my iPad. On your iPad. On yeah. your, that's what I have. I don't like... Um, I don't want to read a book on the computer because of the backlighting and the – it's not fun for me. Well, and it's not – you can't get comfortable. You can't sit in the corner of the couch and hold the book. It is harder know, to get comfortable. Yeah. I with can, a computer. I can curl up with a book. For some exactly. reason, I cannot curl up with my iPad. Of, yeah. I've tried to curl up with my iPad. It doesn't take – No, there's just different ways to do it. Yeah. So, I, no, I'm I'm total – I guess I would be uh, yeah. into the books a little yeah. more than I think. But uh, Jack Reacher novels? No. See, I'm trying to remember. How do you spell Reacher? R- R-E-A-C-H-E-R. Like Reacher. Yeah, okay. first one's The Killing Floor. I okay. remember that. But those are great novels too. Okay. Those, But that's the kind of books I read. Okay. Uh, I Autobiographies occasionally. Oh, really? That's the nonfiction when you That's go nonfiction? The, yeah. If I'm going that way, it's an autobiography. I'd like to, I'd like to find a couple and then, uh, short stories occasionally, like Steve I, Martin's stuff. I have a hard time with short stories, though I'm not bad with those, uh, the sort of the true essays kind of one. Like I read, well, I'm reading right now the calm, cool, calm and con- contentious uh-huh. Meryl Marco's book that John Matta recommended a couple episodes ago. Okay. And it's hilarious. She is, she used to, um, be the head writer on Letterman. Okay. And she dated Letterman for several years and she created a lot of his man on the street. She created some of that. Oh. Like all, all of those segments, like the top 10 list. Yeah. That was her. Oh. Yeah. And so, um, but and they were together, I have no idea, eight, 10 years or something. Okay. She actually, I just tweeted at her and I was like, would you want to? Cause the, the book is so <laughs> freaking funny. It's called Cool, Calm and Contentious. And she was on, uh, The Daily Show. Uh, and which was the first time I had heard of the book because John Stewart had read it and was psyched about it. Yeah. And then John Matta was on with his wife, Rosie Abdu. It's, he was a, he's a big, uh, the thing, uh, oh. Ben Grimm. Yeah. That yeah. was his dorkdom. He has over 300 statues and she makes tiny clay food and, uh, like does pot, like tiny pottery. Tiny, really? Yeah. Uh, they're the most, when, when, when you look at the, when you hear that one, and there'll be some graphics attached to it. You'll be amazed. There's wow. like an angel hair pasta with shrimp. It's the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Done the size of a quarter. She's got bagel locks, red onion. Really? Completely amazing. And you've All seen done. them? You got to see yeah. them? Yeah. She brought, she brought a box of them. And Do I, you have to look at them with a magnifying glass? No. She decided not to go magnifying glass. She doesn't oh. use a magnifying glass, okay. she said. And, and then she was talking about how she had seen – somebody did like the Last Supper on a bean – and she was like, I thought I did tiny things, but that's truly tiny. Oh, wow. <laughs> I was like, is... I don't want to, I don't want to look at something through a microscope. No. This is amazing. The exactly. Thing that's a quarter. That's awesome to well, me. Well, that's like the guys that do the, the rice paint. Uh, right, right. The name on the rice. On a, yeah. I knew a dude that made uh, balloons out of uh, light bulbs. If you look up balloonatics, <laughs> yeah. that's the name of the company. Yeah. 
I, he's dead now. I think he passed away. Right. But he would take he would take balloons. I used to do his computer work. That's okay. how I met him. And he would take balloons and paint them on the inside. Okay. Uh, or uh, bulbs. Excuse me. Use light bulbs. Mm. Clear ones. And he would paint stuff on the inside. I've got a couple of them. They're oh, just like, absolutely beautiful. And then he would he would do art on the inside. He would of light do bulbs? any art on the inside of light bulbs. And then he would and then he would encase them like with the regular. The stuff that looked like the lines in that and the little basket underneath, where they would be either copper or some sort of metal, they would look like a regular, like, hot air balloon. And oh. he would get light bulbs that were old street lamp bulbs that were like the size of this table. Right. And he would make stuff out of that. Balloonatics. Balloonatics. And you'd be able to see some of the art probably, you know, on the yeah. internet. But – they would go from he 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 would hire artists and they would have to teach them how to paint backwards. Well, yeah, you'd have to paint inside out and backwards and exactly around. It, and- it's all it's and it's so cool and they're just they're just beautiful things. But I I have two that he gave me when I was uh, working for. Him. Oh, and, that's uh, neat. So I keep those. That is neat. Yeah. So weird stuff. Huh. People are amazing. People are genuinely amazing. Well, and you find those kind of people on your show all the time. I, yeah. I'm very envious sometimes of the guests that you have. Of the guests that I – well, uh, did you listen to the train one? Did you like the train uh, one? I love the train. I was I was mesmerized the whole time. Now – Those guys are amazing to me. Yeah. Because I, I, I loved what he said about them being the 1% of the model train dorks. Exactly. They were like dorks among dorks. Oh, they're they, – you know, I would love to – Hi, Fritz. <laughs> He's listening. <laughs> no, they were fantastic. Yeah, I mean, I grew up with the train stuff. I have a, I have an O gauge thing that that I'm trying to put together. What I, is that? Look, O-gauge? Uh, O-gauge, it's, O-gauge. Uh, it's N gauge, H O, and N O. And I think they were dealing with uh, with H O gauge. Okay, is that a train talk? Is That's that... uh, size. Oh, it's the size small, of the... medium, large. Oh, in the world of model trains. Yeah, in the world oh, of model trains. Fair and then, uh, there's and uh, honestly, there's a smaller size and probably a bit, there's a bigger size. Oh, sure. Too. And then there's the ones that you ride in. And then there's the ones that you ride in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, My, I, I would love to trains. have like a an actual Your own caboose train? or something. You know what? I think one of his friends bought a caboose. It, it's, Why be, wouldn't he? I mean, it's be, like that'd be cool. When I was when I I used to love trains so much, we would get on the Chicago Northwestern, mm-hmm. and when I lived in Chicago, okay, in 1960 1969, I was. Uh, how old was I in 16? 12 years old. Okay. We would take it down to Union Station, downtown Chicago. Okay. Change over. We, we, we take it down to the station, go to Union Station, get on the uh, Santa Fe, uh, on the railroad, on a Santa Fe chief and take it down to Joliet. Okay. And get off and then pick up the train coming back up. I was 12 years old. Just as a, just as just, a fun just thing to, to do. Just to ride on the trains and just to kind of be right involved in that. And, yeah. And also get away from the house. Take all the pictures and all that stuff. My Six, mom seven had hours. no idea where we were. Right, you know right. that was, but that was the '60s and the '70s. Oh, My parents never knew where I, I was. They I, were just like, "You got to be back by 5:30." Right. Oh wait, five o'clock. And right. every minute that you were late in my family, you uh-huh. were grounded a day. Really? Yeah. Oh, I never had that. Because if uh, Nancy was my stepmother, was like, "You have to be back at five because dinner's at 5:30, and I need you to wash up, be chilled out enough to sit down at dinner with the family at yeah. 5:30. So you got to be in by five. And for every minute that you were late, you were grounded a day. Huh. And uh, made you on time. I am to this day very, <laughs> very prompt. And uh, good work is being done. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know what? It, so, but she didn't yeah. care where I was from like three to five. And then uh-huh. after dinner, six thirty-seven till nine, I could go and be out and about yeah. at a certain age. Well, yeah. even with phones, my kids, I, I want to know where they were. Every oh, minute. Yeah, everybody needs to know where everybody is now. It's so and crazy. It's 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 ridiculous. Yeah, it's not good. I don't think 
I mean, I'm sure it's fun. Uh, I'm sure whatever you're doing with your kids out there, good for you. But uh, but I'm fine. I think kids are incredibly resilient. Well, you kind of shelter them. You can overshelter them. How many kids uh, do you have? Three. Three. And how old are they? The youngest is 21. Okay. Oldest is 24. Okay. So they're they're grown up. They're grown up and gone. and To some extent, right? Cause no, they're gone, are, gone. Are they gone, gone? Yeah, gone, like gone. Like people? Like with people. jobs and they, they're not well, going like, to back? Yeah, or? they're not coming. Yeah. They're not living with their no. mom or anything? No, uh-uh. Oh. No. Nice work. Right. Yeah, if you yeah, I guess. Well, I guess, huh? You did something right. No, I don't know about that. We'll we'll find out. I guess how that <laughs> however things turn out for them then I'm then t- they'll know. Meryl Marco was just talking about how um because she lives in Los Angeles as well, uh-huh. just talking about how it's an entire we have an entire two generations now of just adolescents that are that have decided her line was so great. It was like they don't have enough credits to matriculate into adulthood. It's <laughs> an entire generation of people who don't think they have enough credits to matriculate into high school, into into adulthood. They just think they're kids. They're like 40, 40s young. And you're like, yeah, if you're going to live to be 120. Yeah. But well, most people die around 80. So yeah. I think you're halfway done. I think nobody's in a big hurry to get started. Uh, right. There's a lot know? of that happening, too. Yeah, they're still searching. They're I mean, stalling. look, when I was 18, I was out. Yeah. I expected I was going to be leaving. Oh, yeah. You know, my parents weren't holding the door open for me. My but parents I mean, held the door for us. Okay, well, it, there you it, go. everybody had a little different situation. Oh, yeah. And, you know, um, that, that worked out okay. But my goal was, I knew that 18, I was, right. I was hitting the mark. That was it. I'm gone. Yep. And I didn't want to stay home. No. It was a part of my emancipation, part of becoming a, a an adult and yeah. a, a man and all mm-hmm. that. I, you don't stay at home when you're 18. Well, you also – there was no reason for me to stay. I mean, there was like – I spent yeah. most of my, my, my junior high and high school years wandering the streets of South Milwaukee because there was nothing happening at home. You were just like – that's why my brother Russ was just talking about how we were all so into extracurricular activities yeah. because you were like, well, if you go home – they're just going to put you to work or yell at you. Yeah. So you might as well join a, a club or the band or yeah. be in the be in the in the play. Because yeah. <laughs> my sister was in both orchestra and band. She was the manager of the swim team, and she was student council president. And oh. my brother Russ was the manager of the football team. Was student council vice president. Not president. Golden child. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and and also was on like two or three other committees and all these things. I was uh, editor of the school newspaper in the band. Yeah. Uh, in student council, not never ran for office. Did yeah. You? Always wanted to be the power behind. Did you? The Carl Rove. You like to be the behind the curtain. Well, you know, I pay was, no attention. What do they call? What do they call the uh, the journalists that are supposed to be the watchdogs of the? Of, there's an actual word for it. Oh, I see, remember. I don't know. Yeah, nothing. Okay, no, but, sorry. But, yeah, but everybody in my family had like nine curricular activities, yeah, just so that they could get home late and oh. then leave early. See, I gave up on the school experience because I got gypped. I went to Catholic high school. Yeah, and the only thing I was interested in was band. Okay, no band. Oh no, you you were None. not being. Oh, they didn't have a. band. They didn't have a band. Band was what I lived to play music. Do you still play, play music? music to this day? What, yeah. uh, what instrument? Uh, there's a couple. Yeah. <laughs> I started out playing flute. I okay. wanted to be a drummer. Okay. But it was too loud for dad. So oh. I started playing flute when I was seven years old. Okay. And then when I got to. Too se- loud for your dad. I will give this to my parents is that they were like, everybody has to play an instrument. Uh-huh. And they sat through beginning violin. 
Wow. And I played clarinet and my brother Russ played flute and, and my brother, I think Phil played trombone and, yeah. So, I mean, at, at, at the very least, they were willing to do it. They would send us out in the garage sometimes if the weather was hard. Oh, okay. But so you played flute. I played and flute. Then and I got drums. to seventh grade. Right. And uh, f- didn't think it was manly enough to play the, the flute anymore. Oh. So what you I was like, doing was sissy. I was playing. Too sissy. I was too sissy. And then I got in with a band director who taught me how to play uh, tuba, baritone, and trombone. Okay. So then I played flute in one band and I played big brass in the other one. Okay. Because they had two. Right. And then I hit to high school and then everything went to hell because there was, no there was nothing there. So I had kind of, I was left without purpose. Right. So I kept playing right. anyway. And then as soon as I turned 18 and moved out of the house, I bought a set of drums. Okay. And then I've been playing drums ever since. You know what I like to do? Bring that up. Minute 48. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> it's I know. It's a classic though. It's I know. a classic Dorforest. And I am kind of a total drum geek too. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to that, I have very so 18, strong opinions. So 18, you buy your first, uh. I buy my first set of drums and I start taking lessons. Right. And, uh, you know, it's. You take I've, lessons. I've taken lessons for okay. many years. And I would still not consider myself a really good drummer. Right. But, uh, I really like to, li- I like listening. Uh, all my music is bought basically based on the drum tracks. And the beats, man. Yeah. The I, beats. I can't listen to music when I work because I focus too much on the rhythms and, okay. and what the guys are doing. I, I can listen to talk radio because I do you can. Like, do you like a drum and bugle core? Do you enjoy uh, the that? drum and bugle cores are cool. I really like the drum cadences and all yeah, that yeah. kind of stuff. But no, I'm, I like rock. I like rock drumming. Okay. Just, I mean, what, you know, uh, what style? Yeah. I like some, I like guys that are clean and simple, like, um, uh, a real good Trey Cool who plays, uh, drums for, um, Green Day. Okay. Fantastic drummer. Okay. Doesn't get anywhere near the accolades. And I don't like the, uh, I'm sure there are going to be people that, that would yell at me when I say this, but I, I'm not impressed with some of the big ones. Uh, who are the, who are John the- Bonham. Never heard of him. Uh, Who John is he? Bott, Led Zeppelin. Okay. Great drummer. I'm not going to argue that he's not a good drummer. Right. You know, he certainly is, but not my not It my was a flavor. Led Zeppelin song that Pete uh, Paul Greenberg did uh he did a drum solo. He the uh he did a, a like a mime piece at Largo one time where he had he did the tiny he did all of the drum motions. Really? Of that of of some Led Zeppelin song in in miniature. <laughs> It was again really? tiny, yeah. So, well, I actually have a closer that I uh, that I wrote that I've actually I've, I've performed a several times. Where that they... actually involves drumming. Oh, that really? I actually have a set of electronic drums that that you bring that up I on bar- stage that and... I would that I would put on stage and that I actually work with. But I, I just don't want to schlep them. That's oh, the right. only reason I'm not in a band. I don't want to. I probably There's would a have lot been, of heavy lifting in a band. I would have been a musician, honestly, uh, if yeah. it wouldn't have been for my choice of instruments. Okay. <laughs> because yeah. in a band, the problem is you can't, first of all, you're carrying all the shit. Right. As a drummer. Yeah. And then you got to get along with everybody. Oh, the yeah. Two things I'm not really crazy about. It's a about. team sport, that, that being yeah. in a band business. Yeah. No, yeah. So there's, you know, but even another guy that I like, uh, Rick Allen, drummer for, uh, uh, drummer for, uh, um, 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 um. Rick Allen? Yeah. Rick Allen, drummer for, um, why am I not? I can remember all their albums. High and Dry. Somebody's yelling at the at the, the oh, iPod yeah. right now. Yep. I High and Dry is the name of the High album? And Dry. No, High and Dry is the name of one of the albums. What's Pyromania another album? is another one. Hysteria, oh. uh, Hysteria is another one. Men at uh, Work? 
No, God. <laughs> it's you, killing me. You know, you know what's I about, hear this you know all great. the time, and now it's happened to me. I want to die right now. You Let know me what tell I am? You something about music and Jackie Cation. Men at work. What else? I know. What you, else should I you're talk a about? big music Rush? dork. What no. about what about that other band from me. Australia? You're really killing uh, me right pyro, now. It's I'm uh, hate sticks. Myself. <laughs> you know, I've ran the race. I've fallen down in front of the finish line. <laughs> That's what I've done, Jackie. I'll put it in the notes. And I right have, now, everybody is sitting at home going. No, I know what he means. Yeah, and, uh, they do. So it's all good. Def Leppard. Thank Def you. Def Leppard, the guy with one arm? Yeah. Fantastic drummer. Right. He really is. He plays with his feet. Oh, does he? Yeah. I saw I saw a thing on 60 Minutes once where a kid didn't have uh, either arm, and he did everything with his feet. He'd eat. It was pretty great. Oh, dude, I'm telling you, watching this guy hammer out everything with his feet and his one arm. Does he play with two feet? He plays with both of his feet and his right arm. And his right arm. And his right arm. Okay. And what he's done, he's cheating a little bit because he's got some samples. So like if he wants to hit the drum and People do that. People lose an arm, they start being cheaters. Well, you no. know, <laughs> I'll tell you, I'll say this. Uh, Def Leppard, yep. coolest guys on the planet. I give him this because he lost his arm. Right. right. He's the drummer for the band. Right. They're all like 21, 22-ish. Right. When this happens. Yep. Now, we all know what we were like when we were 21, 22. Tool bags of society. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, why didn't they go to the hospital and go, dude, you know, we love you. You'll but, always get you know, residuals. Yeah, but you'll get you royalties. Know, dude, you, we just can't use you anymore. Instead, they go, hey, if you say you can figure it out, we'll wait. Yeah. And they go on to have the biggest album they ever had. Okay. Their hysteria tour was the biggest tour they ever did. Okay. And actually, the, the, the guy that, uh, Joe, uh, Joe, uh, um, they're, they're in the uh, band. Yeah. Joe. Anyway, he's their, their lead singer. Okay. He's like, you know, the dude had to lose an arm to become a great drummer because his, his drumming actually did get better. Oh, did it? Yes. So what, so are there new bands that, what, what are your current favorite in the world? My current favorite drummers. Mm -hmm. Oh, like I told you, I, I like every, I like everybody from, uh, the dude that drums for, uh, 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 see, here we go. That's her. Uh, Leonard Skinner. Okay. Uh, although I, I, I have trouble listening to him now because he was arrested for, uh, sexual, uh, uh, like pedophile stuff. Oh. So I can't, that affects arrested, me. Arrested? Yeah, oh, no, but convicted. not convicted. No convicted. Oh, convicted. Yeah, yeah. To convicted. <laughs> that is and, bad. And all that stuff bugs me. Well, yeah. The, the dude yeah, from, it's hard to, I, I can't watch an Angelina Jolie show. Yeah. Honestly, a movie. Yeah. Show, really? Uh, but the, uh, <laughs> uh, the, but, and I know that I would love, like, cause she's a great action hero. I hear yeah. I, that all of her, like, Salt and Tomb Raider and all of those, cause I'll watch crap, but I haven't seen, I, I, I haven't seen a Woody Allen movie since Hannah and her sisters. Yeah. Well, that'd be a tough one to do, support him. I mean, you can't, I have a hard time supporting guys to do that kind of stuff. Well, it just gets kind of creepy to me that you're like, well, your life choices, I guess I shouldn't know about them. You know, I'd rather not know like the Tom Cruise kind of when you go crazy and it's because of your religion or because of your personal life, I guess it shouldn't affect me. But we live in this post like too much information era where yep. I'm given too much. In <laughs> I don't want. Oh, I totally agree. It was a better day. When you could just watch something and, and accept it, it for face value yeah. of what it was Bing and Crosby, enjoy it. An excellent, fun guy to watch do a movie. Yeah. Uh, supposedly beat his children. And so for many years, I had a hard time watching a Bing Crosby movie. And then I was like, you got to let it go. He's yeah. dead. 
uh, they've moved on and, uh, yeah, <laughs> you oh, might yeah. as well. And so, I mean, there's part of me that wants to see, you know, there's supposed to be good Woody Allen movies after Hannah and her sisters. Of course. <laughs> of course. Well, and, yeah. What are you going to do though? You know, right. I didn't, I didn't drop ACDC when they got rid of Phil Rudd. But Even you though that was it? horrible. You thought about Absolutely. it? Absolutely. I've had enough. But I you. waited. He came back. Oh, did you? What yeah. about Van Halen? Alex uh, Van Halen, great drummer. Not very good in the early years. Okay. But really came into his own, actually, uh, with the Sammy Hagar stuff. Okay. By the way, you know the thing, right? Uh, bigger bigger uh, sales. Uh, Sammy Hagar or... Uh, Eddie? Eddie? No, the... Oh, David Lee? David Lee Roth. Which, which are which better? Is bigger. No, bigger I would sales. guess David Lee Roth. No, Sammy Hagar. Sammy Hagar. Bigger band once they got Sammy Hagar. You know, the only More thing sales. I know about him, hmm. guy can't drive 55. Nope, he sure can't. <laughs> and he makes a wicked tequila. Oh, does he? Yeah. He Cabo makes Wabo. his own tequila? Cabo Wabo. Isn't that his tequila? Is that his brand of tequila? I think so. My knowledge of uh, the distilling practice practices is also not as, not as thorough as you might think. <laughs> I, I like the tequila, you know, but uh, I don't go out of my way to sure. drink it. Sure. Well, you'll you'll like the feature guy tonight. Um, he does a, a a whole chunk on tequila. Does he really? Yeah, he's got a little uh, jokey joke about it. Oh, nice. His well, name is Rod Paulette. That's yeah. the featuring, and then a guy named DJ Dangle. G DJ Dangle sounds fantastic. Well, he's he's got to address it, and he does. Does he? <laughs> yeah, he has to. His name is Dangle. <laughs> what he does not address, and he told me afterwards, is that his brother's name is Peter Dangle. Really? Who does that? Someone that really just isn't thinking at all. Right. I mean, you I did, know. When I used to canvas, when I used to go door to door and uh, do sales, I actually uh, went up to a woman's house. Her name was Gay Cox, C-O-X. Oh, my goodness. And her first name was Gay. <laughs> Who's doing that? Well, I'm looking forward to seeing the Jackie Cation show. That's right. You haven't seen the long set in a while. I haven't seen the long set. And I actually, I hired you, and I hired you against my uh, normal hiring practices because you had never Remember seen that? the long set no because i you wanted to close and right. i told you i see 45 minutes right and good for you you said look you know i, I got the special <laughs> right the half hour you special because that was in like half an hour three or four or, i don't know when i worked with send was that yeah. 2005 maybe? yeah yeah and yeah. you weren't you weren't crappy about it you just no. said and, and you said, I look, said this either is, way by you this is what i have right and I, I don't like have a for. I said okay because I really liked the thirty minutes. Right. I thought it was fantastic. Right. right. Or twenty eight or whatever. It would be twenty two. Yeah. The, and the crazy thing is, is with a half hour special with most comics, you could tell if they do the road or how tight it is. Yeah. If they've got more time, if you end up watching a twenty thirty minute set, you're just like. Is that all you got? Because you can even tell with half-hour specials. If if someone's just doing a lot of sort of in-town 10-minute sets yeah. or if they're doing road and they've culled this down to 22 minutes. So Well, and I knew you were going to be I knew you were going to be good. Yeah. Uh but I had promised the the guy that was uh, managing the club that I would see every minute. So remember I told you? Yeah, you know that Don't guy? tell anybody. Oh, he's a worthless dick. Well, and the uh, weird but, thing about that guy was that he, he puts all of this time and energy into your job. And then his job was, well, I'm going to go to Costco and buy taquitos and then charge $6 for them. That'll make me want to just, I mean, I couldn't even eat there. Look, I don't a, even want to talk club. to you about anyway. how bad, how bad he was. Uh, but you know the good I news? I did that club because, uh, because I have a friend in, in Denver that I could stay with. Well, the, the, yeah. the, the good byproduct of yeah. it was I got to meet Jackie Cation, folks. That and was I got the to best meet thing. Vilmos, and it was, a, it was a lovely thing. Yeah. Oh, man, and it's that'd been be great 60 if minutes. that would have been it. It's been 58.30. Good call, 58. buddy. 
<laughs> so people should listen to Green Room Radio because what you do is you interview road comics. I interview. You'll road interview comics. anybody, right? You'll um, or any comics, right? I have, I I interview mostly headliners. Okay. Uh, I'm trying to branch out because I need. But you to, would you would you would interview if Proops wanted to be on the show or oh, like like if it would. You be know like, what? Who's who's your big get for the show? Yours. My oh mine. Yeah. Who's your big get? Well, because of the rarity, it would be Bamford, my best friend. Okay. Well, see, <laughs> she owes know. me one. Maria Bamford owes sure, me one. Sure, also on the block I, list I understand until she she's, says yes. But she, I, yeah. I missed her when she came into laughs, and I was so disappointed. Right. My big get, Billy Burr. Oh, Bill Burr. I would love to have the Bill Burr, but I got I, I just am afraid to even ask because... You know, the only long set I saw him do was a, a, him struggling, and I could tell. It made me laugh, only because I was just sitting there going... You people, this is amazing stuff, and he is working his ass off for I, you. I watched. I worked with him for a week. Comic. Worked with for him uh, with him for a week in South Bend oh, at okay. the old Funny Bone. There sounds but, like dancing. Um, you know, aside from that, yeah. You know, I do other podcasts. Right. I do. I do the one called The Antagonist. Oh, that's right. Where you with, and there's uh, another young comic. Gino, well, that uh, Gino Biscani at Comic Out in New York. Right. I basically we bring up current topics, and I try to figure out which one really pisses him off. Oh, the to antagonist. Send him off on, yeah, to send him off on this huge tangent. So normally, <laughs> oh, like it takes politics me, or social. Stuff it can be or anything. One time, Snooky or well, something. Yeah, like uh, next week, since he won't hear this. Yeah. Uh, next week, I'm teeing him up on uh, American stuffers. Because he hates stupid reality shows. What's American stuff? Well, that's going to be the gag. Uh, guess what it's about. I don't know. Well, it'll irritate him just because he's got a guess. But right. <laughs> uh, it's about guys who stuff animals. Taxidermists? Yes. Which is totally worthless. But wow. it serves a purpose. Uh, because I can who bring knew up. Who that taxidermy was still? The PETA are like, don't stuff them. And you're like, yeah, but you love your dog so much. You, it, it has insurance. Wouldn't you want to <laughs> stuff your dog and keep it? Yeah, their ad is some guy picking up his dog, and so he's petting it. Yeah, like you know, he's going to put it in the house. Yeah, so it's like laying down next to the chair. Then you see it strapped on the back of his motorcycle <laughs> on the way out. Fantastic. Now. Then I do the mentorist. <laughs> this is the shameless plug time, folks. Right, right. This is it. The mentorist is the one that I do with Alex Falcone. Okay, he's out a of young Portland. Comic. Young comic, two right. years, fantastic comic, but really not understanding road work and that kind of stuff. Right. So basically, the show. is- I'm in Portland, by the way, in March. He's going to come see you. Okay. You get to meet the, meet the Falcone. Meet the young man. He's a great kid. Okay. Very funny. Good. Really talented. Mm-hmm. And but he doesn't know the business of comedy so you're essentially telling him the horror story so oh, that he's prepared for when he goes out tragedy after another <laughs> you know look here's where i should have shut my hole but this is what i did and here we go yeah. so then there's uh i do one with dale jones and uh that's an occasional one but five podcasts five podcasts but i have more on the platform uh, I have a guy, uh, gino biscani does his own called gino's picks oh so the forum off of off of your website yeah the, uh, Gino's picks is one he does every week that he does NFL picks. So what should people Google stone. if they just want to find all this stuff? Greenroomradio.net. Dot net. They go okay. there every... Okay. And then I got a couple more guys that are coming on. So I'm nice. trying to create this place where comics can do their thing. Right. You know, they can they can feel like, you know, people... They, they can get on a platform where people might listen. And people can go to this thing knowing that there's going to be a little bit of humor. 
interesting yeah. or something. Yeah. yeah. So I think comics are the most interesting people. I like it. And on that note, I say we call it. <laughs> Vilmos, thank you for doing the show. Oh, are you kidding me? Thank you for everything uh, and, you and do here. And thank you for being on the uh, the thanks for doing my website. Oh, I love the website. That that's a whole other show if you want to do geekdom on web stuff. Uh, there'll be another. We'll talk day. about the HTML code and the closing tag. Right. Listen to the Mexican hat dance. Good night. My hat, my hat, my hat. They're dancing around my hat. <laughs> my hat, my hat, my hat. Well, what do you think of that? If it looks like a Mexican hat dance and it sounds like a Mexican hat dance, it's most likely a Mexican hat dance. So take off your hat and let's dance. Yay! Oh, my God. Thank we you. Why don't we just call that as the end of the show?